Welcome back. This is another podcast from the Florida Alliance to End Human Trafficking. I'm Erin Collins, the Executive Director. Today, my co-host is Alan Wilkett, retired corporal with the Pasco County Sheriff's Office and board member of the Florida Alliance. Thanks, Alan, for joining me. What a pleasure it is to be here to, to do another episode, to hear more about what the great state of Florida is doing along with our business partners to end human trafficking in the state of Florida. Well, today we'll hear more about what the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association is doing uh, to train its members and the broader hospitality industry. Alan, I know in your law enforcement career, you were in a lot of different um, partnerships with folks that um, did compliance and were the regulators, whether it was from the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation or, or other entities um, that uh, were overseeing some of their compliance. Can you share some of these examples? Um, you know, the industry plays such a huge role, um, whether you're coming to the state of Florida for that large scale event or the theme park, a music event, the beaches, um, or the, the bed and breakfast um, in, in a small town around our state. People are going into restaurants, motels, and, and various lodging establishments all the time. Um, that's why it's so wonderful to hear and, and learn all about what FRLA is doing um, you know, with the industry. But can you share a little bit more about your experience in working with some of these regulators um, as they work towards um, compliance? Sure. You know, when uh, when this legislation was created that created the Florida Alliance to End Human Trafficking, one of the industries that was really in view was the hotel industry, uh, recognizing that with large scale events, obviously the hotel industry, tourism broadly, but the hotel industry and those those that kind of surround that, the restaurants and uh, things of that nature are are critically important when it comes to ending the human trafficking that's going on around those large-scale events, but not just around large-scale events, but from day-to-day operations. Uh, the vital role that lodging in particular, because that's temporary housing, and how the, the traffickers had used that that space, that temporary housing, to, um, to be able to execute their criminal activity. And so recognizing that that's a critical industry, that was one of the industries that was in view with the creation of that legislation. So what's happened with FRLA, and they've been just wonderful in embracing just the the thought of that, but also historically looking at it and saying, you know what, we're going to take this in a proactive way, and we're going to train our industry to make sure that the appropriate trained observers are in those places to disrupt that human trafficking, that activity from happening in our places of establishment. The beauty of that kind of training is it doesn't just bring trained observers into that space, but now that trained observer moves throughout the community at large. So it has kind of a double effect. And uh, this this episode is going to really highlight the proactive measures that this industry is taking to end human trafficking here in the state of Florida and beyond. Well, let's learn more from Jeff Lubkeman with the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. Joining us today is Jeff Lubkeman with the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. Jeff serves as a Senior Vice President of Education and Training and with a recent new hat, the Interim Senior Vice President of Membership and Corporate Relations. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Good morning, Aaron. It's great to be with you. You have such an interesting blend of hospitality industry, public sector, and trade association leadership experience. How did you get to the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association? So I guess the short answer is I was a 16-year-old intern in high school at the Capitol. 
and I was also working in restaurants and um, looking back over a, a now 45 year career, um, I made choices consciously or otherwise that landed me in my dream job. So I get to be uh, involved in the political process, defending and advocating for an industry that I absolutely love uh, and, and was very good to me uh, as a younger person. And so uh, I, I, I tell people all the time and I'll say it on this public forum, I'm scared somebody's going to find out that I have the greatest job in the world and take it away from me. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Jeff, can you tell me a little bit more about the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association um, and how you work with the industry? Absolutely. So um, you mentioned my uh, my career has kind of an interesting blend. I, I started in industry. I was in food and beverage uh, operations for 16 years and then had the good fortune to had the regulatory authority under the Governor Jeb Bush administration, where I was the top regulator for food and lodging statewide, um, which those two um, experience uh, buckets were a natural fit for the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association. And I had the good fortune to be invited here in 2006. And uh, quite simply, FRLA uh, has three primary legs to its mission, and that is protect promote and educate our industry. Um, typically, <clears> the <throat> trade association, uh, the, the most visible aspect typically is the advocacy. It's a business community uh, joining together to unify their voices um, and advocate for um, conditions that are conducive to business. Um, and that doesn't always mean saying no to regulation. Uh, for instance, in the, the, the case of required human trafficking training, um, we, we came along with that. We thought it was a good thing that would protect the industry, save lives and prevent devastation. And so um, that in a nutshell is what FRLA does. We, we advocate on behalf of the industry. We protect its ability to operate and uh, we, ad we uh, educate our members. And that is uh, the human trafficking awareness uh, efforts that we have um, advanced over the last uh, four or five years. Um, fall into into that leg of our mission. Such an interesting journey. You know, as we know, human trafficking is an issue that impacts communities throughout the globe. And unfortunately, here um, in the state of Florida, human trafficking is the use of force, fraud, or coercion um, for some commercial sex act um, or, or labor act. Uh, the hospitality industry and um, the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association has really been at the forefront prior to laws changing in the state of Florida to require certain industries to take annual training. Why do you think it's been so important um, for the industry to, to implement um, and, and require their employees to take training? Um, and how has it been received by the industry since you all implemented yeah, so uh, thank you for pointing that out. FRLA actually um, developed its own uh, human trafficking awareness training uh, that we put up online in 2018 prior to uh, the mandation of training in our industry uh, in 2019. Um, and we, uh, we made it available free of charge at that time to encourage broad adoption. <clears throat> and the, um, the, the simple answer to your question about why is because it's the right thing to do. Um, and that's a, that is a, a, a kind of a, a trope and a, an easy thing to say, but it truly is. It's it's very inexpensive to do this, um, and the 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 upside, the positive impact that a, a, a an hourly employee in a lodging establishment 
can have on literally saving a life, um, it, it really is a, a, a very easy decision. Um, additionally, in, it, in addition to it being the right thing to do, um, there's there's business protection involved. If if an inspired business leader takes this seriously, they're going to protect their business um, as well as the jobs they create. So it's um, there is no downside to this. And uh, to the second part of your question, it's been very well received. Um, we we tend um, our our members tend to be leaders in their fields and tend to be white hat people. Um, early adopters of best practices that are good for their communities and good for business. And this falls squarely into that category. I think it's fascinating, you know, coming from you coming from the public sector, having worked with the Department of Business and Professional Regulation in that, you know, regulator compliance role. How do you think that aids you um, with regards to the current role you play in um, uh, implementing, you know, training and awareness um, for the industry? That's a great question, and um, I do have the benefit of having been in on both sides of this equation, the, the regulator and regulated community relationship. Um, so the, for a lot of people that spend their careers only in a, a particular industry, um, it, can be, uh, it can be easy to view a regulator as the enemy. Um, one of the missions that we were tasked with when I arrived at DBPR was to be more of a partner with the industry. Uh, for example, in food safety inspections, an, an inspector is typically in a licensee maybe a couple of hours a year. Um, so to leverage that time uh, that they're on site at a, at a lodging business or a food business to be the partner, to be the educator, um, and to get uh, the, the business community to, to come along and comply with the regulations on a voluntary basis is much more effective than um, attempting to force them to. So um, then uh, combining the, the regulatory aspect with the, the knowledge of being an industry operator, um, it, uh, it, it just it, it creates a, um, a real opportunity for us to characterize the regulator not as the enemy, but our partner in adopting and executing best practices, um, which in the case of of this particular issue, human trafficking awareness, it is clearly a best practice. It saves lives, it saves businesses and jobs, and inspired business leaders will take this seriously every shift, every day that they work in their operations. So interesting. I'm sure most people um, know about uh, your prior role, as you mentioned, uh, or part of it with, uh, you know, food safety um, and regulation when they open up their local newspapers sometimes and and see those inspection reports um, and whether their favorite place uh, did well or, or not so much. So um, that's, that's so interesting. Um, you know, as we know, the human trafficking um, requirement for uh, public lodging establishments to provide annual training uh, changed in 2000. 2019, as you mentioned, um, and that requires these establishments um, to, to offer training to employees who perform you know, certain duties, including housekeeping and rental units, working at the front desk or reception area, uh, you know, valets, um, maintenance staff, um, uh, roles of, of, the, of that nature. Um, and that law went into effect uh, January 1st of, of 2021. 
Can you talk a little bit more about the the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association training, um, how you provide it, the things that you do on an ongoing basis? Because as you mentioned, uh, your training was implemented the year prior, um, and it's so important because our, our partners um, in the hospitality and lodging industry are, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, um, if not more, um, I'm sure you can provide the stats on that, um, in communities across our state. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit more um, about your training? Of course. And <clears throat> to your point, uh, prior to the pandemic, and we've been through some rocky times between a, a pandemic and some hurricanes, um, our uh, our employee base across all hospitality type businesses is uh, somewhere between 1.2 and 1.4 million people. So in a state of around 20, 21 million people, that's a pre- pretty significant chunk. Uh, and leveraging their daily activities and their businesses with the awareness of human trafficking um, is just so, so important to being able to recognize and stop this horrible crime. So uh, some of the things that we've that we've done over the, the, the last couple of years um, we, we uh, the, the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association is organized on a chapter uh, format. So we have uh, 15 chapters around the state that are comprised of local business leaders. And then uh, they each have a, a board of directors at the local level. And that um, feeds into a statewide board of directors at the state level. And uh, those local chapters meet on a regular basis and are continually um, providing ongoing education support awareness of all manner of things that it takes to run a food or lodging business. And so we've injected human trafficking awareness into um, that format. So those those folks are, are regional directors that operate the chapters, um, actually f- foster great relationships with NGOs like yours uh, at the local level, the, 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 the community of support organizations, folks that uh, are trying to get the trafficked survivor back on their feet and li- living a, a healthy and productive life. Um, we, we partner with those people all around the state. At the state level, we've had um, some some really uh, interesting and effective um, events. Uh, for example, um, we had back-to-back Super Bowls in our state in 2020 and in 2021. And um, we partnered with the local um, anti-trafficking and trafficking awareness communities in both Miami and Tampa in 2020 and 2021, along with law enforcement and media to create awareness on the front end, hopefully prevent some of this, create awareness during the, the event, hopefully recognizing it if we see it, and then um, feeding that uh, information, uh, including local hotline numbers that law enforcement could react to in real time uh, to hopefully catch the bad guys and and put them where they belong. So um, we we had some really strong momentum uh, as we entered the um, the the compliance dates in 2020 and 2021. Uh, ran into the buzzsaw of the pandemic, um, and we lost a little momentum there. But uh, we are looking forward to, uh, as you well know, uh, January is uh, uh, Human Trafficking Awareness Month each year. And we're looking forward to uh, re-energizing our efforts uh, to, to, again, um, keep that awareness uh, front of mind uh, for all of our, our hourly teammates, uh, as well as our business leaders in, in the 
food and lodging industries. Yeah, you mentioned a few great points, but the the one that always sticks out to me um, and we emphasize as well at the Florida Alliance is those partnerships and collaborations. Um, as you know, um, you know, law enforcement and service providers can't do the good work that they do um, without you know help from the community. And um, you know, the industry, your industry is such a vital part uh, to those communities throughout the state. Um, you know, you mentioned that the training has been well received, um, but what would you tell you know uh, an operator, an owner who who says and kind of gives pushback to, well, you know, my employees are already overworked, and there's you know, thankfully we're in such a great place in our state where um, uh, people are are coming by the millions from all different parts of the globe, um, and partners. Um, uh, you know, like Visit Florida and others, local um, folks are doing great work to to market um, and let, you know, uh, visitor, potential visitors around the globe know all that Florida has to offer. Um, so it's great that, you know, all these different operators um, and establishments are, are busy. Um, and that is definitely apparent as I travel the state and I know you do as well. Um, but what would you tell someone who is resistant to, um, you know, make sure that their, their employees um, are, are compliant. We know that, um, you know, it's just an annual, it's an, at least a minimum, you know, the annual hour training. Um, what would you, what would you tell someone to encourage them, um, to make sure that they, they are compliant? Yeah, the, great question. And, uh, as is typical of any sort of compliance or regulatory framework, um, there's, there's a group of people that I call the, the, the cannots or the will nots. Um, the cannots are those that may be under-resourced, um, sta- struggle with staffing. They're just trying to survive every day. And um, unfortunately, a, a particular compliance issue may fall through the cracks. The will-nots, on the other hand, are those that say, I'm not going to do this until you make me. Um, and uh, so, you know, classic example, carrots and sticks, um, you know, for the for the conscientious operator, this is such a white hat thing to do. And it, it really is not costly. Um, there are, in addition to our training that's available for a minimal charge now, we're not trying to make any money on it. We're just recovering our, um, basically our hosting service on, on the internet. Um, but there are scads of free trainings available that are all approved by DBPR uh, to meet this regulatory requirement. There, there literally are scores and scores of these. So it, the, the, the budget or economic argument um, that it's onerous is just not there. Um, and so for, for, uh, for the white hat, for the carrot, it's a great thing to do to be a, 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 a business leader and show compassion for our fellow humans. Um, on the stick side, um, failure to comply with this can incur a fine of up to $2,000 per day. Um, that's a pretty significant stick. Um, recently, it was pointed out to me that um, over 14,000 citations were written for failure to be in compliance with this particular law on the kind of the initial wave of compliance, which is why I attribute that large number. I think there was a lot of awareness that was created in the industry that, oh, by the way, you do have this thing you must do. And so the regulator took a an educational approach, and uh, I'm pleased to say that of those citations written, the regulator was able to achieve 100% compliance in the regulated community. So um, it, it first, the first 
objective in a regulatory effort is to educate the, 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 the regulated population, let them know that they have this obligation. And then the, the second uh, phase of that is to check and see, are they complying? And so um, upon being notified of this thing, our industry came along and, and embraced it. Um, and so for, the, for those, uh, if there's an operator out there that has decided this is too expensive or um, for whatever reason they may be resistant, um, then there's the stick. And you just, um, the, the, the cost of just one day at $2,000 a day in fines far surpasses any cost that they would have in in gaining compliance and training their staff so there's a carrot and a stick um I'm, I'm pleased to say our our membership that again that tend to be forward-thinking business leaders early adopters of best practices um we've heard nothing but positive things out of this and um you know the the two the two primary um th there's a number of things that you have to do to achieve compliance with this training is part of it but really at the end of the day it's it's an inspired business leader that's leading their teams on an everyday basis, reminding their folks of what to be looking out for, and most importantly, having a policy of what to do if one of their teammates sees something. Um, you know, it could be that could end badly if the, if there's not planning involved in this because some of these people are really they're violent, vicious human beings, and if if we don't have a plan on what to do if we see this in one of our businesses, we could end up um, putting our teammates at risk. So having a plan, knowing who's gonna make the call to either local law enforcement or the national hotline, um, and and then just walking that walk every day, reminding our people to be vigilant and on the lookout. And this is, as you well know, Aaron, this is not, um, this is not a matter that is relegated to a certain category or class of, of, of lodging property. This happens at all price points, all quality levels. Um, and so we, we as an industry just have to accept some responsibility for taking care of our fellow human beings um, and being on the lookout every day, every shift. Yeah, such great, great points. Um, you mentioned um, uh, training the employees because we want to keep everyone safe you know, in our workforce. Can you talk about um, some of those, maybe the characteristics as we know, um, uh, some of the potential signs and indicators can be, you know, both behavioral or physical. Um, you know, if someone's not staying in, in your hotel or motel or your establishment for a longer period of time, um, you know, and, and we don't know this individual before, we might not know, um, you know, some of those those longer term, maybe behavioral cues. But for some of the, the physical and or um, maybe the, the limited interactions that um, hotel staff does have with, um, you know, potential victims of human trafficking, can you tell um, us what you include in your training for, for people to spot and to look out for? Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, one of the things I, I love about this, that this particular training is it is not particularly complicated or technical. Really, it's about awareness. It literally is about being observant as we as uh, managers or housekeepers or valet or front desk personnel. It's just about being aware if something just doesn't look right and then running through a mental list of questions uh, about why that thing may not look right. Is this a, is this person that's presenting at a front desk? Um, are, are they 
Uh, are eyes cast downward? Are they not making eye contact? Do they appear very deferential to the person they're with? Is there a big age disparity between the person they're with? Um, the, we used to say uh, cash transactions was was kind of a red flag. The, the, most of the industry doesn't accept cash anymore, so that um, that one kind of goes out the window. But but really, um, you know, someone that's checking in that has little or no uh, luggage or possessions with them, um, and then uh, beyond the the the, the check in and registration process. Um, being aware of what's going on with that room. Uh, does somebody have a, a do not disturb sign hung on that door for days and days at a time and has requested no housekeeping? Um, or is there a noticeable um, amount of foot traffic to a particular room? Uh, so again, not, not highly technical things. It's just um, looking for these red flags and then stopping for a moment to run through a mental checklist and say, what is it about this that just doesn't look right? And then knowing what your your property policy is, um, it, certainly in, in most properties, the person to make the decision on on who to call, whether it's law enforcement or the, the national hotline, that's typically going, going to be a management decision. But every hourly employee that sees this thing that may look unusual or odd needs to know, what do I do next? And again, not highly technical. It's known what it something looks a little out of order. What do I do next? I bring it to my manager and then um, hopefully good things happen after that. Yeah, no, definitely great reminders, um, you know, for folks um, and, and things that you remind um, people that take your training. The other one that, you know, we hear a lot too is um, individuals who don't want to provide some form of identification. Um, we all check into properties it's standard operating procedure. You know, you have to provide your driver's license or a passport or, or some other, you know, form of legal ID. Um, you know, kind of unheard of if you don't. Red flags, um, but those, you know, signs and and potential, you know, characteristics are things that I think we know. Um, and again, to your point, that it's it's non technical. Um, we all we all know kind of something is amiss when we, you know, listen to our gut or, um, you know, we kind of listen to that voice inside, if you will. But I think a lot of people, especially when you're traveling, um, whether for work or, or you know, um, play, um, you know, you're kind of in your own little zone or bubble. No one wants to get involved. Um, you know, no one wants to be, you know, accused of doing something. And especially um, kind of where we are in our world right now, um, you know, there are people that, um are, are maybe a little on edge or, you know, just getting back out into travel um, and uh, might miss those signs, but they, they know that something doesn't feel right, but don't, don't want to do anything. Um, and I think it's so important that, you know, we do listen to our gut instinct, especially for those um, who, who are in our, our hospitality and tourism industry, because they have, you know, the opportunity and the situational awareness to be interacting with, you know, thousands of people uh, in a given time period. So that's why, you know, training is, is so important. Yeah, you, you raise a great point uh, on the, the kind of the societal reluctance to get involved. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that makes the national hotline so strong is that there's no, um, there's no penalty for, uh, for a false alarm. Uh, and the, the, the person that's, whether it's a, another patron uh, in a business that's making a call to the hotline, or whether it's a manager following their house procedure on making a call to the hotline, there's there's no penalty for being wrong. 
Um, it, it's much better to err on, on, on the side of caution um, and then let the experts um, at the national hotline and local law enforcement figure out the next steps. And um, folks can, can engage with that hotline and, and then be done. They have no further um, involvement. So the, 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 that kind of reluctance to get engaged or be involved, it, it's not going to result in in anything other than a phone call, if that's what they want to do. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I say it all the time. Um, and, and folks that, um, you know, serve on in our leadership, um, and that we work with on educational and awareness, um, events and trainings in law enforcement say, we want people to call, you know, you can do it anonymously. You can call the national hotline, um, the national human trafficking hotline, which we know is 888 888. Um, or you could text be free to 233 Um, or if you think someone's in immediate danger, calling 911. Um, but law enforcement can't do the work that they do to investigate, to identify a potential victim, uh, to prevent something from continuing or stopping something from happening if they don't have those tips. Um, and, um, you know, one of the folks on our board, um, likes to call it the trained observer. Um, you know, we might have uh, information, uh, but not context. Um, and it's so vital, um, especially for those in your industry, um, because they do have context. They are the ones that are going behind that hotel lodging establishment room door, um, you know, or they're going um, into uh, the, the kitchen where as a patron, we come in, you know, we're having our meal. We don't know what's going on behind the doors when the servers um, and the people who are working in the restaurant um, are behind those doors. Um, and so that training, um, uh, and that, and everything that you offer, uh, to your, your members and to the industry is, is so key and hopefully preventing, um, this crime one day. And do you think that the, the emphasis, um, you know, with the training, um, on the industry has led to increased tips, uh, to, you know, various hotlines or to law enforcement? And if so, um, are there any stories that you can share? Yeah, I don't have statistics on that, um, but uh, it's, it just I just have to think that in a state this big with an industry this big, um, the the more awareness that we inject into our daily operations, um, it, it's just going to create positive outcomes for everybody. It's um, it, one of the things that um, that doesn't get near the attention that sex trafficking gets is labor trafficking and. Um, certainly, uh, the food service industry is very um, risk exposed to that, whether it be um, contracted cleanup crews, uh, landscaping crews, things of that nature. Um, and so that the, the, the training really can broaden the participants horizons in terms of understanding all the different ways that a human being can be exploited. It's not um, I know you hear this all the time. It's not like the movie Taken where it's, you know, it's a James Bond plot kind of thing. It's just everyday stuff with human beings being taken advantage of. And um, by, by participating in the training, we really can broaden that participant's understanding of how that happens. And, and again, uh, hopefully lead to them raising their hand. Um, not quite in a, in a traffic sense, but we had um, at a recent board meeting, we recognized a server in a restaurant who noticed a little boy that um, something didn't seem right. He's eyes downcast, very deferential. He was not allowed to eat. Um, and this server 
managed to create a little sign and hold it up where only this little boy could see. And it said, do you need help? And um, the, the, the child either didn't respond or, or minimally responded in a, in, a, in a no, I don't need help manner. The server didn't take that no for an answer and asked again. And uh, subsequently, the little boy was able to indicate he needed help. Fast forward 18 months, uh, and just recently, um, a stepfather to this child was sentenced to multiple life terms for abusing this young man in, in horrible ways I won't go into. But it was, it was this server that just took a moment to say, this doesn't look right. What can I do to help? And um, she saved a life. There's no doubt. As we know, the law um, requiring um, public lodging establishments to provide annual training to its employees um, was passed in, in 2019 and implemented into law um, January 1st of 2021. And some of that, um, you know, as we've discussed, um, includes, you know, the active participation from the employees, but then also from a resources and materials standpoint to be able to post public awareness information signs. You know, we all travel around um, the state, uh, go through different ports of entry, whether we're um, on the turnpike or a rest area, you know, and, and we you can't miss those signs, um, you know, with the national hotline number um, or, you know, law enforcement 911 um, and potential characteristics and signs of human trafficking. Um, so these establishments are, are required to um, have awareness signs um, and, and their establishments that are at least, um, you know, a certain size requirement um, in addition to the training. But Jeff, can you talk about um, how you aid um, your members um, with implementing some of those other things in addition to the training? Yeah, it, um, really, it's about talking about it and and continually talking about it. I, I've, I've, I've mentioned that we, um, we kind of all lost a couple of years there to a pandemic. And, um, and now we're struggling with, with hurricanes and, and potential economic headwinds. Uh, but really, um, one of the things that FRLA brings to its members is, um, I, I won't say a conscience because we, we, we tend to have, again, members that are highly engaged in their local communities that want to be um, leaders and, uh, and early adopters of best practices. But um, just as a matter of what we do on a daily basis, making this part of our message uh, to our members, our potential members, and the business community at large, uh, to continually talk about this in terms of a compliance issue and then offering resources. As I mentioned, we have training available on our website. Um, we have the, the required signage available to download. Um, and uh, so just making sure that um, that folks know that those tools are available is, uh, is one of the things that we, we provide. You know, as we know, Florida hosts large scale events, you know, annually, um, throughout our state. Um, but we know that, you know, unfortunately, human trafficking happens, you know, year round when those events aren't taking place. Um, you know, does your outreach, um, you know, with the industry and with your members, does it change before some of these, you know, big events like the Super Bowl that come to town? Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So the, the, the opportunity that a, a big high profile event presents is an opportunity to prevent this behavior from starting. Um, one of the uh, one of the target audiences um, that we really honed in on, especially for the Miami Super Bowl, um, was the 
was on the demand side for for trafficked human beings and reminding people what what can happen to them if they are engaged in this behavior so um maybe changing some minds on people that that for whatever reason think they can misbehave when they leave their homes and go to a different city um so really honing in on on that side of the equation to remind people that this is a devastating abuse of human beings. And oh, by the way, you can go to jail for participating in it. Maybe we can scrape some demand off in that sense. So that's that's the kind of thing that the that these high profile events bring. Um, they also bring a, an urgency. We, there's a date that this thing's going to happen, and it really helps um, kind of uh, create some cohesion between. Uh, say FRLA as a state organization, our local chapters, and then local community organizations that may only exist in a in a municipality or a a, a region. Uh, so it really helps us develop those relationships, be better partners with each other, um, with a, with some urgency because there's a, a date coming. Um, then on the the, the kind of everyday um, opportunity that we have is. Um, this stuff doesn't go away. High, high profile events that bring lots of inter, special international traffic um, have the opportunity um, to increase the demand and increase the presence, but it never goes away uh, under normal conditions. So, again, continuing to talk about it, raise awareness, um, make sure that that we're and, and we don't just focus on our members. We focus on the industry at large uh, to, to try and create awareness and make sure that. We are characterized as an industry, as good neighbors, good community partners, and and businesses with consciences. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, you know, the work might be recognized by the average citizen before some of these events, but the work, the proactive work that the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association, along with Florida Alliance and, and countless um, other organizations uh, and nonprofits who are working to increase awareness um, about human trafficking, goes on 365, you know, uh, seven days a week, um, 24 hours a day. And um, it's so great that, you know, FRLA has such a longstanding um, history in in being proactive um, and providing resources and training to its members um, because you make up, you know, as you cited that statistic, such a large um, part portion um, of the workforce. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it, it, we're all busy. Um, no, nobody doesn't have uh, too little to do each day. Um, but if we if we pause for a moment and think about how we can literally save a life, literally change the trajectory of someone's life, um, th- this is a pretty easy decision. I think it's so important that you all are focusing on um, you know the education side from both you know sex trafficking signs and characteristics, but also labor trafficking because of, you know, the members of the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. I think that kind of stereotypically people um, see more headlines 
about sex trafficking. Um, and they, you know, sometimes, um, you know, obviously when they involve a minor, um, you know, people become more aware, enraged, they want to be able to get engaged to do something. Um, but, you know, statistics from the International Labor Organization, uh, human traffic, or excuse me, uh, labor trafficking is a much larger issue. Uh, but the statistics, um, you know, are severely underreported. So it's hard to specifically quantify. Um, you know, how do you, you know, throughout the year, um, you know, work with your members to have that, provide that ongoing training and awareness, um, you know, because again, the issue is, is so important. Um, and hopefully, you know, we don't see those headlines um, in the state of Florida. Yeah, that's a great question, Aaron. The, um, the, the labor aspect of this isn't as flashy. It, it doesn't, as, as you point out, enrage people. Um, but the, the sheer volume is huge compared to sex trafficking. Um, and so uh, one of the things that we do with our members is we, while, while food service operations are not required to, um, to take any sort of mandated training, we encourage everybody in hospitality and on the lodging side, not just those positions that are kind of um, enumerated in statute, but really all of our teams in food and lodging, we encourage them to take the training and to really to make it part of their operational culture and not just check the box once a year because the law makes me, but rather enculturate it. You've got that inspired business leader, manager, supervisor that's talking about this every shift, every day, um, and really making it part of their daily operation. That level of engagement and awareness is what is going to change people's lives when we can help get them out of these horrible situations. No, I agree. Everyone, um, you know, has family members, um, that they want to protect. Um, so the, the small investment of your time to, to take that, you know, hour, hourish long training, uh, once a year seems, um, very small in comparison to the role that you could potentially play in, in saving a life. So I agree. Uh, Jeff Lube come in with the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. You guys do great work. We're huge fans. Keep up the good fight. Such an interesting conversation, Alan, um, you know, that I had with Jeff. He has been on on both sides of increasing awareness about this important issue um, as a regulator with GBPR um, and then now, you know, uh, serving for many years with FRLA. Um, such an interesting perspective. What are some of the things that you learned from Jeff? Well, first of all, I, I think it was that perspective you just mentioned about from being the regulator to being the regulated. Look, nobody likes regulations. Uh, business doesn't like regulations. Uh, the community at large, you know, regulations are, are somewhat inhibitive. So I think there's a kind of a natural thing about being quote unquote regulated. However, in this particular case, when it comes to human trafficking, you saw almost the enthusiasm that was exhibited to say, look, we understand, we recognize that we need this this training, we need this awareness, we need these mechanisms in place to make sure that we're helping those who are the most vulnerable, that we're making sure that we're disrupting that, that human trafficking activity. And so this industry has said, let's get proactive. Let's not just quote unquote be regulated, but let's get proactive in the space. And regulation at that point in time is not just inhibitive, it's actually preventative. And that's exactly where they're at. They're in a proactive space 
where they're being preventative by doing the training and joining in this effort to make sure that human trafficking does not thrive in their industry. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the other thing that it was interesting to learn the work that they're doing year round, you know, as we know, unfortunately, human trafficking takes place, whether there's, you know, a big event or people coming to a theme park, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't matter. Um, and that they're focused on, you know, training their members, you know, working with industry partners is so important. Um, and I think people forget because they just think, oh, goodness, you know, the bad things are only happening when, you know, that that concert or that sports event comes to town. Um, but as you know so well, that's unfortunately not the case. It happens every single day, every single night, every day of the year. It doesn't know holidays. It doesn't know time off. There is no time off when it comes to human trafficking. There is no holiday Uh when it comes to human trafficking. So the Restaurant and Lodging Association has said, look, this is a year-round operation. So therefore, our training needs to be year-round so that we can counteract the effects of human trafficking in our communities. And that is the exact approach that needs to be taken by every entity. Takes no time off. So we don't take any time off when it comes to observing this criminal activity and reporting it to the appropriate places. Right. The other thing I found interesting talking about the variety of their members um, that the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association has, again, it's not just folks in, you know, motel, hotel, lodging establishments, restaurants, places where, you know, people are going to, um, you know, have meals um, and the importance of because, again, Commercial sexual exploitation gets a lot of talk. It, it unfortunately makes the headlines, and especially when it involves a minor. But labor trafficking, as we know, is a much larger issue, um, especially globally, than commercial sex trafficking. But that training employees um, that we might not see. So, you know, talking about the restaurant workers that are in the kitchen or that we can't see as a patron or someone going to a restaurant. So we might have that, you know, kind of funny feeling in our gut that a server or a, a busboy um, or, or a waitress is, you know, maybe not acting in a way that you would think, you know, from a restaurant perspective. Um, but we don't have, you know, as you know, the context, what's going on, you know, in the kitchen, what, you know, is being discussed, how is that individual being treated? So I think it's so important that, you know, we're focusing on all aspects um, of human trafficking because some, you know, might get and grip the headlines more so than the things that are actually taking place a lot more prevalently uh, in our communities. I think it's incredibly important to recognize what you just said. And that is the fact that these things are being done uh, in these. Everybody needs to eat. Everybody has to sleep. And sometimes that eating and that sleeping takes places in these temporary places, restaurants and lodging establishments. So having those those trained observers. But I think it's also important that sometimes in the hotels and the restaurants, whereas a lot of focus, as you said, goes on the commercial sex trafficking, there's also labor trafficking going on. And many times that labor trafficking is being manifested in restaurants and lodging associate or lodging uh, facilities. And so therefore we have to have that trained observance of not just commercial sex trafficking, but also labor trafficking as well. So having that holistic training model is very important to disrupt this human trafficking. Alan, I want to thank you for serving as my co-host on this episode. This has been another podcast from the Florida Alliance to End Human Trafficking. 